All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are going to be covering How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World. This is actually the first time we've ever had a uh, a movie on release day, but we were able to do that because uh, my co-host Ryan Darty and I caught one of the early fan screenings a few weeks back, so we were able to get this done. So I'm really excited about that, even though I don't really know these movies, but Ryan helps me along, so that way we're able to have a really great conversation about this movie, the whole series, and dragons in general. So before we get into that conversation, I do want to remind you to please make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. And also, uh, while you're at it, you can rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. You can join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. You can email me by davidrosen at gmail.com and let me know if you have any specific comments about the show or if you want to be on the show just get in touch i'd love to have some new people on the show although i love having all these old guests back on over and over again because i love talking to them uh, a lot of these people have been my friends for years some of them i just met recently but i just love talking about movies so i'm always glad to have all of them on uh with that said uh, Ryan wanted to do this movie, and I was like, hell yeah, let's do this movie. It'll be fun. How to Train Your Dragon. I've seen the trailers. I've never seen the movies. But I know a lot of people seem to think of this as, like, the best uh, animated movie series. People really love these movies. And so I was really glad to uh, jump in and see what it's all about. And I gotta say, I had a lot of fun with the movie, of course. I mean, people aren't crazy. Of course it's a good movie. Um, but uh, I had a lot of fun watching it. I had a lot of fun talking about it. So without any further ado, let's get into this conversation. All right, so today on the show, we got back with us Ryan Darty. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, good. Excited to talk about this movie. The first one uh, was one of my favorites. I have lots of um, How to Train Your Dragon memorabilia in my apartment, so nice. I, I feel I am I am in the space to discuss this. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this is going to be similar to uh, like when Chad Clinton Freeman and I did the uh, Fantastic Beasts movie, where I just had no idea of the world of Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts, um, but did it anyway and so here i am I, I don't know the other how to train your dragon movies but um i i had a fun time with this movie though it's, it's a hard movie to not enjoy i mean you know it's, a lot it's of fun. not just other movies too there is like there's like a netflix tv show there was also like a cartoon network tv show there was uh, i i once saw how to train your dragon live on ice um this is like uh and it's based on a book series except it's nothing like the books uh it's a mm. weird mega franchise for the fact that i feel like the movies i don't want to call them underrated but they don't i feel like they're not as popular as they should be based on everything else around them like they're not what people think of right away when you think of like the juggernauts of i don't know like children's media and stuff like sure that. uh no so, i, I yeah. agree with that yeah i agree <laughs> with that there it does seem like this this series is almost like people's little secret like like yeah. you know what you know what kid movie i love 
How to Train Your Dragon. You know, I I haven't seen any of these movies, but I'm told it's very similar to the fact that Kung Fu Panda is actually apparently really good, which Mm -hmm. I would not have guessed having not seen it. Uh, And apparently, like, at least the second one is also pretty good or something. And there's, like, multiple shows about that or whatever. And I feel like, again, unless you have, like, a five-year-old kid, like, you think of Pixar movies. You think of Disney movies. You know, if you're thinking of not those Maybe you're thinking of like Shrek or something, but like you don't think of like Kung Fu Panda or How to Train Your Dragon or anything sure. like that. Yeah, I mean DreamWorks is kind of in its own little, its own little world, but uh, they keep having hits though, hits after hits. But uh, why don't we go ahead and um, turn off our ringers? <laughs> <laughs> why don't we go ahead and jump into some uh, puzzle pieces here? What do you got for your first one? Awesome. So I'm going to start off uh, with one uh, specifically focusing on this one compared to the trilogy, which okay. is, in t- it's funny because I don't know if you'll go, oh, that makes a lot of sense, or oh, that's a weird one, but Thor Ragnarok, uh, the, the Taika Waititi okay. third Thor movie. So first of all, very obviously, this is the third movie in a weird Viking trilogy. Like, there, there's mm-hmm. not that many others in that. But something you're probably less aware of is this movie is significantly more colorful than the past two How to Train Your Dragons are by, like, an enormous margin. Um, The whole color palette of the previous How to Train Your Dragons has... Because they've all been set in, like, winter, whereas I think this one was set in spring or something like that. So the fact that there was grass and um, stuff, even just... Even just when they go to the new island and there's grass, that's more color than was in most of the previous How to Train Your Dragon movies. Nice. Uh, the op- the opening scenes where they show the towns and it's almost like uh, it almost looks like Whoville or something like a Dr. Seuss thing where it's all the the lackadaisical colors like the yellows and the reds and stuff. That's much more prominent than it is in any of the previous How to Train Your Dragons. And the Lost World itself brings in um, or the Hidden World or whatever brings in. Um, a ton of new colors. That one's a little... That part is a little less special because in almost all the How to Train Your Dragon movies, at some point, they, like, go to a cave where a bunch of dragons are, and that's, like, a burst of color compared to the movies. Um, But I think this was very deliberate to show that the dragons have, like, fully integrated with the society at this point, that the colorful world of the dragons has kind of spread out to this cold, stoic Viking world as well. And that was very much, uh, you know, like that, that was a thing that got a lot of attention for Thor Ragnarok, was how, like, neon and colorful and vibrant it was compared to oh, Thor yeah. 1 and 2, which were generally agreed upon as being, you know, some of the, the most boring Marvel movies and kind of uh, much more duller and drabber and... And whatnot, and even I think the comparison stands because, like, uh, even in the older Thors, there were some great visual sequences and like very majestic, uh, you know, like the buildings in um, in wh- what was their town called? I'm totally forgetting. Um, Thor. Uh, all I know is, is Ragnarok. That's the only like fictional Thor world I know. <laughs> I'm I'm, to- I'm totally blanking on what the name of like Thor's hometown was now. Like Asgard. Thor is Sorry. Hometown. Yeah. Oh, As- Asgard. Asgard. I have heard um, that word. Yes, Yes, Asgard (laughs) has these very, um, like, sweeping expanses and big waterfalls, and you kind of had that in the older How to Train Your Dragons, there was a lot of good sky shots and mountains, but it was very much, like, beautiful in the way, like, Iceland is beautiful or something like that. I think a lot of, I think they took a lot of uh, inspiration from Greenland and Iceland, whereas this was Mm. much more like the future is coming, 
uh, sure. you know, a, a new wave of world spring is here kind of thing. Another comparison I can make to the world of Thor is that I also didn't see the first two Thor movies, but uh, I saw it and very much enjoyed the third one. And just like this, um, <laughs> I think I think that's a that's a really interesting puzzle piece, though. And you know, I I I like I said, I haven't seen the first two of these, but when I first saw the trailer for this new one, uh, immediately I was drawn into how beautiful it looked. Yeah. Um, so I, I could totally picture what you're saying about how they really like went all in on the colors and the, uh, the visuals and all that. And that's actually a really great, um, uh, setup for my first puzzle piece. Cause it also has to do with the, uh, the effects and the beauty of this like digital world. And that is avatar. You know um, what? That which... was my next puzzle piece as well. <laughs> nice. Right on. Yeah. It, it's like, I mean, and it, of course we could also talk about the riding dragons and all that, but, um, yeah. but just visually speaking, um, it, they really are. I mean, there's some moments in this movie and I, I, I gotta say like, it, it's, you know, it's not that, this is exactly my kind of movie, but there are some moments in it where I'm watching it, especially when you don't see someone's face. Like when you're seeing it from behind or just seeing the scenery or whatever, where it could be just a photorealistic world. I mean, it's incredibly detailed and incredibly rendered. Um, I, I was really impressed with how beautiful this whole thing was. And, and, you know, that's obviously how I felt about Avatar. I think we all did, whether we liked the story or not. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it looks incredible. Um, and then, of course, like I just touched on for a second there, there's a lot of riding on dragons, which, of course... You know I, what? I, I, didn't, always, I didn't even you know. think of that part when I, when I was comparing it to <laughs> Avatar. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, there, there, there's a lot of dragon riding in Avatar, so that, that was some of the best moments of the movie, aside from the story. Which yeah, well, so some of the it, best. <laughs> in, in the first, uh, in the first couple of How to Train Your Dragons, um, much more of the majesty came from like, uh, oh, this is the first person in this world to fly, and this is the first time he's left his island, and he's never seen more than thirty square feet. So a lot of the majesty just comes from like the he's looking out at the ocean for the first time from the air and can see the mountains or mm. whatever whereas like a lot of the beauty in this movie was like you know the uh, the depth of the ecosystems um, almost um one one other thing so i i actually had avatar as like kind of a combined puzzle piece specifically how okay. it compared to the other movies um the older how to train your dragons felt much more like pokemon than avatar um because like in the first one so um i know you haven't seen them but yeah so in the first one there's like 15 kinds of dragons that attack their hometown all the time and it's pretty much just that and every one of them is given a name and they're all trained to know the names of all 15 um and like what you do for each one and it's very much just like there's a few and they're all kind of iconic um, and then right at the end when they go into the dragon cave in that one, I, I think it introduces a few that aren't explicitly, you know, named earlier. And then you sort of have the same thing in the second one. They introduce a few new dragons. And also when you go to the dragon cave world, there's one or two new ones that you don't see. But, like that you haven't seen previously, but in, in the hidden world, once they get to the hidden world, it you know, they stop caring about making every dragon a star and just start treating them like animals that are part of an ecosystem. Like the the tiny mm. little, like, firefly-style dragons and stuff like that that are just kind of there for a scene to be immersive and then disperse. 
and when they do the like wide panning shots, um, you know, there are tons of dragons in there that are like just in that scene, and like maybe they're only there because it's in a world specifically for dragons, so you can actually see like the predator prey at work or the like how they mm. all interact. Um, and it, it much more felt like a world where these are like the animals of that world than in past ones past movies where it's almost felt like these are like the supernatural monsters in this world right right um, that's interesting you know that that's one of the the few things that i found myself you know coming in on the third one uh being a little bit lost was was uh you know it seemed like you kind of were supposed to know all of these different kinds of dragons you know yeah um and that's one thing i didn't know you know um, sometimes, you know, ironically for some of the dragons that, uh, that it seemed like you should have known them already. No, that was the first time they were introduced or like how they could do <laughs> certain things. Um, one, one really cool touch is in the panning scene where, uh, you know, Toothless is king and he roars and all the dragons bow to him in the hidden world. Uh, in the background, mm. you can see the dragon that was the big bad guy dragon in the second movie. Uh, and they never address it. It's just, so in that movie, he was kind of, uh, the big bad dragon was like, uh, owned by like slave traders who like, uh, kind of turned it into like an evil dragon king kind of dude. And then at the end, Toothless kicks his ass and you think kind of kills him. Uh, and it like shatters his tusk and the dragon, you know, breaks away and breaks free of the slave traders. And it's like, yo, fuck this, man. I don't want to work here anymore. And goes home. That's some heavy shit. Um, it, oh, dude, it's it's dark. He he straight up makes Toothless murder Hiccup's dad in front of him. Like it is, <laughs> it is like I I legitimately tear up at that scene because like the slave trader is very much like dragons are animals and we are men, so we we control animals. And he, and then Tooth and Hiccup is like, no, Toothless and I are best friends. Like you can do so much more with dragons, like if you respect them. And the guy yeah. goes, cool, do you want to bet? And then, like, does a whistle, which, like, mind controls Toothless. And Toothless is going to, like, straight up murder Hiccup. Um, and then Oof. his dad, like, jumps in the way and takes the shot or whatever. Um, and it's, it's actually a very, very well done scene. Like, it is actually very poignant. Uh, How to Train a Dragon 2, as you sort of noticed when you read the description, not much happens in the second movie. It's very much, right. uh, it's very much a movie about a father bonding before the son's dog kills the dad. Um, like that's really just the plot of the movie. It's like a loving One family and their dog, and then the dog just murders. Um, but yeah, so that big dragon is one of the ones in there bowing, and that sort of gives you this perspective of like, that's why they kind of felt like supernatural creatures in the past movies, because they were out of their element. But like in the dragon world, where they are from, this is just like the big dragon who is kind of like the dragon equivalent of elephants or something. He's not something big and supernatural. He's not like king of the dragons, mean bad guy or something. He's just another animal. Um, so I, th I thought that was a really nice touch that I actually had to like double check to confirm. Like, oh, the alpha from the last one's in there. And they literally, he's only on camera for 10 seconds. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that that's a cool uh a cool little thing that that he's still there and he's just part of the community now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um great. so since I kind of right piggybacked on. off of Avatar with Pokémon, do you want to just do your next one or Yeah, sure. I'll I'll jump on to my next one. Uh so this one's kind of a combination, although more so the first one than the second one. Uh 
the first one is uh, Christoph Waltz in Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Uh, mixed with a little, a little bit of Anton Chigurh in No Country for Old Men. I was trying uh, to think basically... of a good puzzle piece for the bad guy, and I couldn't think of a yeah. great one. And I figured you would. Yeah, definitely Inglorious uh, Bastards. Christoph Waltz. I, I, there, there's just that, that like super smart, well spoken, uh, just kind of talking down to everybody, kind of a charismatic character. Yeah, um, and just super, super evil, super ahead of everybody. Like always, like way ahead of everybody. And uh, I, I actually, I found that to be really kind of cute. In, in a kid's movie, yeah. you know, like it kind it kind of reminded me so much of that. Um, and I was like, oh, this is just like those kind of characters. Um, maybe even a Bond villain you could throw in there as well. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I did actually but, uh, think. Of, I love. I did think. I did think of um, of his character in Skyfall. Uh, that that was the closest right. I got to a puzzle piece for a bad guy version of him because which that that like, is yeah that's kind of christoph waltz's thing i mean he yeah. does that in a few movies <laughs> yeah yeah and he's so good at it but uh <laughs> I, yeah he, he was good um you know it's funny that this would kind of be a good place to bring up uh an interesting thing now i always knew jay baruchel was uh the main character yeah um i couldn't place a single other voice during this they're movie. all famous other, other, every person in this movie yeah is i know the only one I realized by the end was Jonah Hill, but everybody else, I I went to the IMDb after, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that was that was Kate Blanchett and Gerard Butler and the, McLovin." The only and substitution Wig. is that uh, T.J. Miller was replaced with someone who does a pretty <laughs> right. good a pretty good sound alike, and Kristen Wiig has never sounded like herself in any of the movies. She does like a weird mm. like talking with the back of her throat thing. Um, yeah. but no, she, uh, Kristen Wiig in particular, like all three of them, I have known it was her and still can't visualize that it's her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just found that so weird that like, normally you could kind of pick, pick these actors out like, oh, that's totally so-and-so, you know, but yeah, I just had so much trouble like placing anybody. And now, now that I, now that I know it, I kind of almost want to like watch either the old ones or this one yeah. again, just so I could kind of like place the faces, you know? Um, Gerard Butler but yeah, is it... much easier because he's like the, well, he's like the main bad guy in the first one. And then he's the loving okay. dad in the second one. So he, uh, <laughs> like, like him kind of appearing in a few flashbacks, um, in this one, it's much harder to tell, but when he's like a main character who's talking, uh, it's pretty obvious that it's Gerard Butler. He doesn't change his voice too much. And they never really explain why the Viking has two parents with wildly different accents, and he's just got a very, like, neutral American accent. <laughs> That's great. You know, what? one other thing while we're on the topic of the bad guy, um, I, I did find a little parallel as well when the uh the bad guy was talking uh about the dragons and and like talking about you know how shitty they are and how we shouldn't let them into our world and and yeah. how they're i almost i almost feel like i heard him say like they're not sending their best dragons or something it reminded me so much of trump talking about mexico um yeah. <laughs> like we should keep them out because they're not sending their best or, or like they're not they don't have our best interests yeah and like it just sounded like 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 talking about about uh immigrants or, or refugees or, or something yeah. like that it, it reminded me of that um which i could totally see being squeezed into a movie <laughs> like this i don't know if that was intention with, with how to train a dragon there's like not a lot of wiggle room for motivation for the bad guys like it's always right. i want to kill all the dragons or i want to control all the dragons usually because then i want to kill all the dragons 
Um, <laughs> like the first one, it's his dad is trying to protect the town because you know his dad's reasonably justified in the first one. Dragons keep attacking their town like every month, so he's like, "Hey, we right. should kill all the dragons." And they do a weird thing where they sort of like in the you wouldn't pick up on that vibe from the flashbacks they show in the third one, where in the third one his dad is like. I hope one day I can find the dragon world so, like, all the dragons can live there and we don't have to fight anymore. And that sounds very mm. much like it's because he wants to protect all the dragons, but in the context of what you know from the first one, it's, I'm sick of dragons killing my friends, so it would be really nice <laughs> if we could stop fighting, so just put them somewhere else. Um, and then the, the second one was, like, yes, a, a slave trader who wanted to control all the dragons. I think, again, he thought they were, like, filthy beasts, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna rule the world and then probably kill all the dragons. And then this dude was just kind of like a hunter, for the most part. Like, he just right, really... Right, right, exactly. I actually thought it was kind of weird when he did that talk that you were talking about, where he's like, no, all dragons are evil. I almost liked him better just as a guy who, like, he's only good at one thing, and that one thing is killing dragons. And he and like I kind of liked when he didn't have a, oh I hate all dragons we can't trust them because um, yeah. I, I think I think he mentioned like that when he killed a dragon he got a lot of fame in his town or something um, mm, and that sort yeah, of yeah. made sense that sort of gave me the vibe of like the first time a serial killer kills someone by accident and then they're like oh I like the feeling this gives me um, this is but yeah, good. This pretty much good. everyone in How to Train Your Dragon, <laughs> and in, in all the cartoons, too. Like, the bad guy is either, I'm making an army of dragons to kill all dragons, or I just want to kill all dragons. <laughs> A lot of dragons getting killed in these movies. I don't know. Uh, so, <laughs> what's your next puzzle piece? Um, okay, so this one... Um, is a, is a two-parter, uh, which is Power Rangers and Big Hero 6. Um, okay. And, because the, the whole aspect of them, like, suiting up and going on missions, that's totally new to this one. That was not a thing in the past two movies. Um, mm. like, so in the first movie, um, it's like a coming-of-age story, and his friends are still in that movie, but they're, like, uh, they're all training to become dragon killers, so he has to juggle this double identity of he's going to dragon killing school and those are the other kids he's in his dragon killing class while he's like, uh, you know, secretly nursing a relationship with this dragon. Um, and then in the second one, his friends are only in it for like 30 seconds. Um, in the TV show, there's a lot more of the once they team up with the dragons, him and his friends will ride their respective dragons and go on missions. But in terms of seeing it on screen, this is the first movie where you see that for more than one scene. Where, like, each person has their dragon, which is almost like, like their Megazords and, like, Power Rangers. And they've all got their suits mm -hmm. and their gadgets, and they've all kind of got their, like, role. Um, based on, like, what dragon they're with, like, different ones have different techniques and stuff. Uh, so it very much reminded me of watching, like, How to Train Your Dragon... Uh, sorry, of, of watching, like, a Power Rangers-type movie, but, like, the Viking dragon equivalent of Power Rangers. And then, naturally, that sort of brought me back to Big Hero 6, which I think is currently the standard for, like, movies where teenagers become sort of superheroes. Because Big Hero 6 is basically just Power Rangers as well. Um... <laughs> A bold claim there. I always but... wanted to see that. I I never did see Big Hero Six. It looked really great. It it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I don't. 
I think that was Disney, but not like main Disney. No, it was like it was whatever branch of Disney that did like Zootopia and stuff like that. Um, right, right. I don't know. It's so weird now they own Pixar, but but yeah. So that a lot of this stuff of like his friends being kind of like main characters and allies again, and um, not just doing it like in the final fight scene and them all working together. That's all new to this movie. Um, so again, like maybe this film wasn't like all Power Rangers Big Hero 6, but again, compared to the past two, you know, much more like Power Rangers than the other ones ever were and stuff right, like that. Right, right. Well, while we're talking about the action and the, and the big battle scenes, especially in the ends, um, but also throughout there was some, uh, my next puzzle piece is Star Wars. Uh, nice. I, I thought some, some of the big like space, well, in Star Wars, big sp- outer space dog fighting scenes reminded me of the dragon fighting scenes as yeah. all these like hund- hundreds of dragons shooting fireballs, which were like the lasers in Star Wars. Yeah. And I probably lose nerd points by calling them lasers or probably not called <laughs> lasers, but Photons um, or something. <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever the hell they're called. I don't know. But yeah, no, there's just so much happening, like uh, hundreds of things all shooting at each other and flying and spinning and going in circles. And yeah, it, it reminded me of the way that those battles were being uh, uh, staged in those Star Wars movies, especially the most recent ones like Last Jedi and uh, yeah. uh, The Force Awakens, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more, more just about the action, really. A, a lot of, like, pretty much, they do a really good job of that in all three How to Train Dragon movies. They always, so at the end of the first one, the, the main bad guy is like the Dragon Queen, and then the end of this one, uh, the second one, it's the Dragon King, and then in this one, Toothless is the Dragon King. So they always kind of have a scene where, like, there's a swarm of different types of dragons kind of acting as one entity. Um, and that that's always a highlight for the action, because it really does get dogfighty. Because it'll be, like, the four good dragons flying through a crowd of, like, a hundred hypnotized dragons or something like that. And all the okay. different dragons are different shapes and sizes. They're all doing different things. Like you said, like, some of them are shooting fireballs. Some of them are shooting lasers. Like, they all have different <laughs> kind of mechanics. Some of them, like, shoot, like, flaming boulders and stuff. And, it, yeah, it very much does feel like how in Star Wars it's like, oh, this is the missile ship. This is the laser ship. This is the, like, yeah. mine ship or whatever. I never really thought of that, but yeah. that's actually a, a really good comparison. Nice. Good right puzzle on. piece, Dave. Uh, well, <laughs> what's, your next, what's your next puzzle piece? Um, so those, those were the big ones I had in terms of, in terms of how it, it differs from previous ones. Um, the next one, and this is... The the two vibes I got, and I have not seen either of these movies, technically all any of these four movies, which is tradition for me, but <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon, in general, always has a vibe of feeling very a day in the life of. Like, you're seeing these characters grow up. A lot of times in animated movies, I feel like because they have the luxury of it, even if the next movie comes out ten years later, it takes place like a month after the previous one. Um, but over the course of the How to Train Your Dragon three movies and, like, three TV shows, um, you get to see this kid go from being, like, a 12-year-old to a 19-year-old. Um, and uh-huh. very gradually, like, this is what his life is like now. This is what his relationship with his pet is like now. This is him, like, coming to terms. And it honestly almost reminded me of, like, boyhood or something like that. Like, just watching uh-huh. someone kind of grow up in 
not quite real time. And and the other movie that it really reminded me of in terms of it's like, oh, we're just kind of checking in on these characters is um, the Before trilogy. Uh, like Before Midnight, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset. Because I feel like those movies yeah. are all are just kind of, here's an evening with these people. Ten years later, here's another evening with these people. And you just kind of find out what their life is like by the background things they're talking. Like, oh, at this point, very clearly, Hiccup is engaged to this woman. Or, like, he's very clearly the chief now. Like, they, a lot that they leave more or less, I don't want to say unsaid, but it's, like, not necessarily a plot point in the film. But all, all three mm. of the films take very good advantage of, like, this is what's changed since then. And here's this kid, you know, growing up like all three of them are coming of age stories all three how to train dragon movies are coming of age stories but like coming into different ages um interesting if that makes sense like the like the third one is very much him fully becoming a leader the first one is very much him becoming his own person uh the middle one is kind of uh learning to forge his own path which i guess technically is different from being his own person um, sure. Yeah. But but yeah, like I I have never gotten a vibe like that from movies before. But I'm told that's basically what like watching Boyhood is. <laughs> sure. Sure. Watch. Yeah. No. That that's that that's a really good uh, little set of puzzle pieces there. I I, I like that. Um, and it, of course I haven't seen the first two, so I don't know that. But I kind of get from like the you know what I've read and what I've seen from you know the trailers before, because I always yeah. have been aware of these movies, of yeah. course. Um, but yeah, I get that that it's like uh, it's like each time we're just kind of getting like a little slice of of uh, of this person's story, yeah, and uh, him and his fa his family and his friends and and where they're all at now like it seemed like when this one started like the first uh i forget if there was like an intro battle or something like that but after that it was like just checking in on all these characters that clearly the whole audience around me all knew yeah and was like super excited to be seeing oh so that's where you know that's how that one's doing that's what that one's doing and like you know and uh that, that yeah they seem to be very well-drawn characters that like yeah that uh, I could picture people are really like following over the years and, and interested to see where their lives are headed. Yeah, and yeah, like like the, outside the, of outside of the action. Yeah, yeah, like, like the starting scene or or one of the early scenes when they like raid a dragon hunter's ship or something like that. You know, that's yeah, and, yeah. and like and clearly they've been doing that for a little while, and they're like fine, and like I guess the mom is like, I think you're about ready to do this on your own or whatever. Like again, that's that's all negative space that has happened. I I'm sure that's what the plot of the final TV season of the TV show was. I'm sure like each episode was one of those raids, um, but they always in the How to Train a Dragon movies kind of set up here's the state of the world by here's what the main characters are doing nowadays. Like in the second one, he bumps into like the first ever dragon hunter that they've encountered uh, while his goal is like, I want to, now I can fly. I want to chart the seas or whatever, like doing very much what his dad did. And then you're like, Oh, I guess that's what he's been doing for 10 years. Now that dragons mm. are part of the world, I guess like hiccup just kind of flies around and like looks for islands and stuff <laughs> yeah i was actually kind of wondering a little bit at the end like that was one thing i was like eh. like uh they, i mean they're just like their whole 
ecosystem seems to rely on dragons, and now they're just going to be stuck on a new island with no dragons. It just it's ve- it's like... very full circle. Um, it, it very yeah. much like like I th- I think originally for the marketing for this, and, and they didn't follow through on it, but like especially when they were like asking the directors like what is going to be the plot of the next one, uh, it was yeah. If we were to assume this was the real world, why are there no dragons now? And it never really ended. Like, Mm. it ended with all of their dragons leaving. But, like, as they established in the beginning, there are tons of other people, like, islands with dragons and stuff like that. Um, Sure. So, like, I don't know if, like, their plan was then from now on they're just going to swim to find the other dragons and then, like, give them the GPS coordinates for, like, the hidden world. (laughs) Um... But yeah, I don't know. They're setting up the <laughs> MMORPG so we, we can all yes. go find the rest of the dragons oh, ourselves. I'm sure yeah. that has to have been a thing. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about how to train a dragon video games, but like there definitely has to have been at least one shitty mobile one where you like just control a dragon <laughs> flying through rings in the sky and nothing else. But... That sounds kind of amazing, actually. Um... <laughs> a, a lot of the TV show, the first season, which is the only one I saw, was like... They were like, oh, well, shit, we've got this whole infrastructure for a class to raise dragon hunters. I guess let's just pivot it into raising dragon riders. And they do, like, a lot of the same... It's very contrived, like, them playing games, like, having races and obstacle courses with their dragons. So I'm sure there's, like, a million games about that. Like, like that seems like the perfect that, that thing that Zingo would have made, like, a Facebook game for or a mobile game <laughs> yeah. for. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, my my next puzzle piece, uh, and this is my last regular one, yeah. um, is uh, and th- this one again, kind of like how uh, how I said Star Wars was specific to the uh, the action sequences. This is specific to the hidden world itself, and that's sure. Journey to the Center of the Earth. Okay. Uh, which you know, th- there being this world underneath the world, you know, that is just extra beautiful and filled with all kinds of beautiful creatures and and just awesome visually sights and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, that that and that's such like a classic story and it. It seems like something that uh, that something like this would totally take, uh, you know, to take, you know, inspiration from. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that they go, you know, through like a hole basically in the middle of these waterfalls and they go through a hole down into the earth and find this whole other world under there just totally reminded me of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, ab- absolutely. I was like trying to find a good puzzle piece for the whole like my dad disappeared and spent his whole life trying to find this other planet or like universe kind of thing that they were like sort of getting out there. I couldn't think of anything better than like a wrinkle in time or whatever, but, um, Mm. I had been, I had been really trying to find something about that aspect of the hidden world, uh, as a puzzle piece and I failed. So, but, uh, aesthetically, yeah, like (laughs) journey to the center of the earth and stuff. Um, I'm only actually familiar with the old school journey to the center of the earth. I haven't seen like the, the new movies or whatever um but it was pretty I, fun the new one yeah is that one of those right. ones that's one of those ones where like the rock came and just totally pivoted the franchise right like exactly. he's done a few yeah. times yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it was all right <laughs> like like most of his movies they're all right you know? yeah yeah right. it, it's it's a rock movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so did you have any other uh puzzle pieces you know i just have a grab bag of a few little things um 
So definitely uh, uh, Toy Story I was reminded of, just uh, more from the, like, it's a quality trilogy about growing up kind of aspect. And there there aren't a lot of other movies, uh, like animated trilogies, where all three are pretty consistently highly rated. Like, How to Train... I, sure. I like the first one the best, by far. I think the ways in which the second one got more serious and real, like, made it lose a lot of the magic. Uh, and and I probably liked this one the least. So, so I, I've liked them less and less each time, probably. But um, interesting. But I but but they all still of them are like they're all three are like ninety five plus on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. Um, and you know about growing up and and it does sort of end on that note of uh, Toy Story three ends with them going off to college or whatever. Um, so that kind of brings it full circle. Uh, the whole ending of the movie giving me hardcore Pirates of the Caribbean 3 vibes. Um, oh, I did think about that while I was in the theater and I forgot to write it down. <laughs> yeah, like the like, oh no, you go off to this world over the edge of the earth and like explore the seas. And then they had that whole at the end montage scene of like him reintroducing his kids. That was like pure Pirates 3 to me. Um, and felt sure. a little out of place. And then the last one uh, you got to give re- uh, reference to is the Lilo and Stitch franchise, which is 0% mm. surprising, seeing as all three How to Train Your Dragon movies were made by the Lilo and Stitch guys. Um, and Lilo right, and Stitch right. is probably my favorite animated movie. Um, and the first one, you know, I, I, I summarized to you that How to Train Your Dragon 1 is very much... Uh, Plot-wise, it's just E.T. If it was in a world where people were, like, all the humans already knew about E.T.'s species and were, like, training to kill him. Uh, which which is very much <laughs> sort of the vibe that How to Train Your... Uh, that Lilo and Stitch has. Except it has the added element of there are the evil aliens in Lilo and Stitch. So that brings it a little closer to the How to Train Your Dragon world. Because there's the evil... Um, dragons and stuff but then uh how did you, uh lilo and stitch also spun off a tv show that was very much um pokemon style again of oh we have to find this alien he's got a weird superpower we need to like befriend him and then we need to find a way to fit him into this universe uh so like in lilo and stitch you'd be like oh this is like the guy who every time he sneezes causes a snowstorm and by the end of the episode they get him a job at like a an, an ice skating rink or something or uh and they do a lot of that in how to train your dragon of like oh man every time this dragon coughs it causes an earthquake and then they tr- they try to kill it at first <laughs> and then they realize instead like oh, why don't we make this dragon do construction work for us or something like that? And you, you saw a couple aspects of that, mostly in the bits where the uh, the camera was sweeping through the town and you would see that like the different dragons were doing different types of work helping the people. Like you said, they've become completely dependent on these dragons. I think they had to throw that final right. scene in to like prove that they all didn't starve to death like afterwards. Right. <laughs> It's so but, true. Like every single bit of their infrastructure was dragon based. I mean, right. And again, know? like totally, <laughs> totally like that's such a hundred percent about face from like, like in the first one, there was like 
trebuchets and giant like crossbows like every 10 feet in the town because the whole town was built around we need to shoot shit out of the sky all the time and then in the second one i don't remember i think it looked more like a regular viking town but the dragons were a part of it but it wasn't necessarily as like susy as this one and then in this one yeah it's like straight up like we don't even bother like getting food anymore the dragons will just bring us a bunch of fish or something like all the forges all the forges were dragon based it's like that's not good to be reliant like you guys know how to make fire like like that's a pretty simple thing you don't need a dragon to be your oven like you know what? You know what though? That that's a really good metaphor for humans. Like if we if we have it, we'll use it, you know? Oh and, yeah. And we will just we'll be so lazy and we'll just we'll just we'll just sit there and just enjoy it. Plot twist. Be lazy and Maybe shit. this was the long con that the dragons were playing because they knew they couldn't beat the humans through brute force. Ooh, so so that's if, dark. So if this movie hadn't <laughs> happened, I, I, I gotta say, in three more months, Toothless would have been like, alright, cool, they're dependent on us, let's get the hell out of here. And all the dragons leave, <laughs> and they just come back six months later, and like they haven't, the Vikings haven't been able to cook their food anymore, because they've forgotten how to start campfires and everything, oh. and then they're all malnourished, and they don't have their guns anymore, because they turned all their guns into like neon pink roofs for their buildings uh and then they just come in and they're like toothless is like i've been waiting a long time for this and they just scorch the town down and gerard butler's ghost is like i knew it the entire time (laughs) that is quite the plot twist i I think that is what would have happened if the plot of this hadn't happened like like they were one argument from toothless and hiccup away from all of that happening (laughs) (laughs) so uh i actually have with me here two guest puzzle pieces from friend of the show TJ Cross. Uh, he's only been on the show a couple times back when we first started, uh, and I've had trouble uh, scheduling him to uh, get on another episode, but he is a major fan of this series. It's his favorite animated series, and uh, also I know he's also a composer like me, and, and it's one of his favorite scores, the, uh, the music from these films. Um, and so he wanted to be involved in some little way. So he sent me two puzzle pieces. So, uh, I I don't have, I don't have a lot of, uh, you know, material to go off of for these, but I think I can kind of see where he's coming from with both of them. Uh, so the first one is Dragonheart. The uh, 1996 movie with uh, Dennis Quaid and a dragon voiced by Sean Connery. I, I, I need um, to inject something right now real quick, which I just realized we've been okay. recording this for 40 minutes and no one has mentioned Reign of Fire, the Gerard Butler dragon movie. <laughs> and I am really disappointed in myself because that might be like my number one or two guilty pleasure film. And I just remember Gerard Butler was in it right now when you mentioned Dragonheart. Okay, sorry. Continue. Yeah. I forgot he was in that too, to be honest. He's great. With you. So, yeah, in that. You know, he's like the sassy I'm, I'm best adding friend. It to the, I'm adding it to the overall list for sure. I, that's no question. It doesn't <laughs> matter how much we talk about it. It's on the list. Reign of Fire. Sorry, um, so Dragonheart. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, but Dragonheart with, with uh, and this I suppose would be more about the overall series, but like the connection between a human and a dragon. Yeah. And uh, it, I mean, it's a classic movie. I, I, I remember loving it when it first came out. I haven't seen it in many, many years. Have you ever seen that? 
Um, I'm familiar. That's the one where they're like con artists, right? And he pretends to slay the dragon and takes the money, and then they like go to the next town and do it again. Is is that is that that one? I th- yeah yeah something okay. like that happens. Yeah, there, there's like a whole scheme to it for sure. Yeah yeah. Um, no, I haven't seen it. I'm familiar with it. Um, but that that definitely. You know, I honestly you could pick any movie where like a boy bonds with his dog or a boy bonds with like uh-huh. an alien like E.T., you know, again, like any of those like it's a it's a very you know, timeless tale kind of thing. Like there's not Absolutely. A, a lot of the innovation in How to Train Your Dragon is well, there isn't much innovation in How to Train Your Dragon. It's very much like the polish and the way sure. they execute it. Um right, there's nothing groundbreaking right. about the plots of any of these. Yeah, groundbreaking goes for the visuals mainly, um, not so much the plots. Um, And yeah, you know what? You were just saying the bond between a boy and his fill-in-the-blank. TJ's other puzzle piece is the Iron Giant. Oh, Um, that's a good one. Okay, yeah. I I actually haven't seen the Iron Giant since it first came out. Neither I, it's have a movie I. I barely remember. <laughs> yeah, and but I I know that it's such a beloved movie and. and I could totally see exactly like immediately what he's talking about with that bonds. And again, this is another one that kind of goes for the full series, not so yeah. much. Uh, although that that would have been like, a really ta- good one for the first one, because in the first one, right, when, right, before they know about the Dragon Queen, it's just every now and then something happens that turns Toothless like evil again. Um, yeah. and, and I they have the same kind of thing where there's like the code word that does that. Uh, to the giant and iron giant. Sure. And I was going to say, and also um, you could kind of like point to the, like the very end of this movie that you're getting this full story of this kid and, and, and the dragon and, yes. you know, where they end up going. And surprisingly, this is like the first episode ever where we haven't straight up spoiled like every single moment. So I might as well not say what happens. At the yeah. End. yeah. Even though we, d- we don't care about spoilers on this yeah. show. Like we're perfectly happy. We expect people to have watched the movie first, but you know, I just realized we didn't actually say yeah we've done a pretty good job yeah like like, (laughs) besides saying it's oddly similar to the third pirates of the caribbean ending um right right. which no no but nobody remembers that so yeah blocked out by that (laughs) point except ryan (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so that that's all of our puzzle pieces then so i'm gonna go ahead and do the finished puzzle and then we'll get into any other comments we got about this movie but um the finished puzzle includes Thor Ragnarok, Avatar, Pokemon, Inglorious Bastards, No Country for Old Men, Bond Villains, Power Rangers, Big Hero 6, the Star Wars series, Boyhood, Befo- the Before Trilogy, Journey to the Center of the Earth, Toy Story, Pirates of the Caribbean series, especially number three, uh, Lilo and Stitch, Dragonheart, The Iron Giant, and Reign of Fire. <laughs> Gotta have Reign of Fire in there. Mandatory. Yes, we had to include it. I, I, I'm very glad that we didn't forget it. Good, oh man, good catch, Ryan. That good was catch. that was. I would I would have <laughs> never forgiven myself for that. I think about that movie probably once every two weeks, and, and I tell people about it whenever I can. And nobody believes that that movie existed nowadays because it just it sounds like fantastic. It's like, oh yeah, and also Matthew McConaughey is in it, but he's like bald and Texan and there's a scene where he jumps off of a roof with an axe to kill a dragon and it's the dragon version of the deep blue sea Samuel L. Jackson scene and like like it doesn't (laughs) sound oh and also Christian Bale's in it and a major plot point is they're trying to farm tomatoes during the dragon 
an apocalypse. Like, it doesn't sound real. So I love showing it to people or telling them about it. That was such a weird movie at the time because Christian Bale was like at the height of his like serious actor, like really interesting roles. Was that like between the Dragon Man's? Is that like when that came out? I, I don't think I they're think really. It was... I don't know. I think it might have yeah. been pre three hundred because I don't think I knew who Gerard Butler was at the time. Right. I, I think it might have been as well. And yeah, I mean, this was when he was doing when Christian Bale was doing things like American Psycho and The Machinist yes. and like. You know, and like it was just so weird that this movie just can't like, oh, Christian Bale's doing a dragon movie now. You know, definitely before the uh, McConaughey. So that was yeah, that was when McConaughey was like just doing pretty boy rom coms. Um, Exactly. Everyone chews the fuck out of the scenery in that movie. Oh man, especially man. That's... You know, one other uh, one other thing that I I couldn't come up with a good puzzle piece for, sure. but I was trying to think of one. Um, the closest thing would be Lady and the Tramp, but I didn't think that was a really good one. But where two animals or creatures are in love. Uh, yeah. I know there's other movies with that where they're doing silly things. They're silly because they're creatures, you know what yeah. I mean? But they're like clearly in love. I couldn't think of a good one, though. No, that, that, that was but, actually uh, the thing that made me most skeptical going into this movie. Because I feel like they do that in these franchises. They did that in Lilo and Stitch where it's like, well, what if there's another one, but it's a girl? And, like, they don't, <laughs> right. like, and, like, a lot of times I think that's, like, a very hackneyed plot point. And, like, honestly, I, I think the girl dragon was arguably my least favorite part because, like, they never, like, they never really explained why it was in the 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 ship at the first place and, like, they sort of the whole movie, you weren't quite sure if the girl dragon was evil or being mind-controlled, but, like, no. Right, right. They, like, honest to God, just had the only other known Night Fury in the universe, which apparently this dragon killer guy who killed all the Night Furies didn't know about, and also there's another one he didn't know about, and they're like, yeah, we're just gonna let it go, and hopefully when the two of them try to bone, we'll, like, interrupt them halfway like i thought when when he mentioned that like the uh the um the poison was what he was using to like mind control the evil dragons i thought that was going to mm-hmm. be the reveal of like oh she's been leading you back to but no he's just really good at tracking them so he just released another one in the hopes that they would be together i thought that was very weird um for a lot of it it was i, I also yeah. thought it was a huge Chekhov's gun. That the bad guy, I'm going to anti-spoil this movie. The way the bad guy does not die is they don't break the vials of poison on the evil dragon's head. Which I thought was Mm. like very obviously what they were setting them up for. When he was like, yeah, Mm. these are the strongest dragons ever. The only reason they listen to me and not you is because I've got this helmet on them. And the helmet has like mind control juice in it. And then you're like, oh, okay, so obviously at the end of the movie, they're going to shoot the mind control juice helmet off, and then it's going to turn around and eat the bad guy. And they never do that, and it really kind of bothered me. <laughs> like, it just seemed like it was screaming being set up in for me. I don't know. That's interesting. I, I, I feel like I might have been so uh, distracted by the pretty colors. I didn't even catch that about the mind control goop that was, it was well, used on the dragons. They were weird dragons. Like, I feel like they... They very much, like, he mentioned it in the scene where he trapped them in the house or whatever, uh, which sounds like a very weird line for a kid's movie. Um, Right. (laughs) But, 
but yeah, they they were weird dragons. I think they were kind of grasping at straws for like, uh oh, we kind of made the main character king of all dragons. Why are these dragons evil? Uh, I don't know. They're also scorpions, and the scorpion juice makes them not listen to the king of dragons. But is sometimes a tranquilizer for other dragons. I, I guess they got to come up with something. I, I wouldn't be surprised if originally the plan was for that to happen, and they were like, oh, that's too violent. You can't end this movie with, like, right. this dude being torn apart by acid-spitting dragons. <laughs> so, uh, overall, you said that this is your least favorite of the trilogy. I think you did so. Like, you liked it over the overall, though? I did like it. I, I enjoyed it. I think the problem is... Um, my favorite thing about the first one was not necessarily the stuff that was good about it, but was, like, the sense of wonder and discovery. Um, and, and that was why, uh, when I was mentioning how, like, the, the this one was very beautiful, whereas the first one was very, like, Icelandic beautiful and, like, seeing the world from the sky in the first time, that wasn't necessarily a knock on the first ones. Like, there, there mm. are some really great moments of, you know, like... I don't know. It's a, I, I think it's a much better coming of age story, and uh, and and um, you get to see him slowly bond with Toothless, um, and by you know the nature of the story, those are not really aspects of the second and third one because he's already seen the world in the first one, and he's already bonded with Toothless in the first one. Uh, so I sort of like mm. those ones the best and a lot of people like the other ones later because they either got a little darker they got real they like enriched and followed the characters more um but the the first one was was certainly much more childish but it but that sort of gave it that sense of like childlike wonder a little more to me and like honestly the uh, the animation styles in each one is different and the mood they go for in each one is different uh like the first one looks you know very obviously, like a, like a 2010 era CGI movie, right? The the uh, the fact right. that the characters had like stubble in this one, they could they would not have even been able to make the stubble in the first one <laughs> and stuff like that. Right. Um, I don't know. So it, it just felt a little more like Stranger Thingsy to me. Kids versus teenagers. Um, but there, I think they were all fantastic. Um, especially like a right. dude who loves dragons like me in general. Um. You know, it's and a guy who like loves flicking through like D and D monster manual books of just like all these cool creatures. Um, you know, so many of the creatures are totally different looking. They all have their own internal logic. Um, that you know, if you like really pay attention, like the way they each do fire is different. The way they each fly is different. Um, and I, it just it's it's an awesome lush world. To explore. So regardless of how much I did or didn't like this one compared to the other ones, I was super glad to spend more time in that world. And I feel like that's going to be the exact same thing that gets me in theater seeing like Avatar 2 and Avatar 3 of like, well, I right, at least want to see right. more of this universe. Right. I hear you. You know, it, it's funny. I just got like kind of deeply sad because I realized you saying about you that you're someone who loves dragons. And 
I used to love dragons. Why <laughs> why didn't I see this? Why have I never watched Game of Thrones? Why have I never gone back and watched Reign of Fire a million times? Right. Like like why am I not a dragon guy anymore? I, I used to love dragons. I'm looking at my copy of uh, Dragon Wars, the most expensive South Korean film of all time right now. That's a <laughs> that's an interesting I've never seen that either. Oh, that is that's a great that's a B movie where they gave the guy five hundred thousand dollars to CGI the monsters in it. It's the biggest. Ooh. It's the, it's the biggest contradiction between like how high quality the CGI is, and it's not amazing, but it's way better than it should be for how bad everything else about the movie is. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> You know what we should do um, the week before we do uh, Godzilla King of Monsters, which I think me, you, and Chad should do together. Yeah, uh, You and I should do like a top 10 monsters episode. Okay. Like special episode. That'd be great. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Some good ones. And plus we'll get to talk about Cloverfield a bunch. Oh, absolutely. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I guess that brings us to the end. You got anything you want to plug or recommend? So I do have one quick How to Train a Dragon anecdote that I I would love to get a tell to tell because I don't get to tell very often. So so I I saw How to Train Your Dragon live on ice in like 2016. And it was all animatronic dragons made by the guys who did like the walking with dinosaurs stuff. So, like, very legit, huge animatronic dragons. Um, And then, you know, the actors were just, like, acrobat slash ice skaters. And all the audio was, like, pre-recorded. And they would just kind of pantomime along to it. And they work your way through the plot of most of the first film. And uh, I don't know if we were early in the tour or very late in the tour. But the animatronics were just, like, not having it. They were not working, like, at all. And I don't know if you've ever, like, been to SeaWorld and, like, the dolphins aren't cooperating during the dolphin show or something like that. But it's very right. much, like, one of those things, especially because all the audio is pre-recorded. And my favorite moment in it was it's the first scene where... Uh, his girlfriend, who at the time was his rival, that was the thing, he had, like, a crush on her in the first one, and she was, like, the best dragon hunter in their class. She was, like, the cool kid. Right, Um, right. So she hunts down this Night Fury, and he's like, whoa, 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 no, it's my friend, trust me, and he um, goes out and flies, uh, with her, and it's a very intense moment in the movie, because it's like, you know, they're bonding together, it's her first time seeing the world, and I think it's, like, the most extended let's just get up in the air and fly and have fun scene in the first movie. And the way they did that in How to Train Your Dragon Live uh, was, you know, they they sit on the animatronic and then there's like huge ropes and um, harnesses that pull it, you know, 50 feet in the air or whatever. And the Toothless Dragon right. literally did not work for that scene. So it was supposed to be looking around <laughs> and flapping. Both of its legs... Well, all four of its legs were hanging down, completely limp. Its neck was completely limp. And for some reason, its natural state was eyes half open, not fully closed or fully open. And the wings were drooping down as well. So they're on top of this thing. And and 
And it's in the harnesses, right? And it takes a while to get in the harnesses, so they can't stop the scene. So there's just this more or less dead corpse of Toothless being swung <laughs> around 50 feet in the air in front of all these kids while the music the music was all done by, like, Sigur Rose, who does a lot of the music for these movies. Um, so there's this, like, swelling Sigur Rose track, and the audio is like... You know, I'm flying, Toothless, like, Hiccup, like, look, I've never seen that before. And they're pointing, and it's playing all this music, and the dragon is just, like, fucking on 30 pounds of horse tranquilizer. And that has to have traumatized. And after that scene, they were, like, they, like, took an hour intermission to try to fix things. Um, How old were you at the time? I was a freshman in college. Um, okay all right so you you were old enough to understand what was happening oh i was cackling (laughs) laughing uh and like and like i had done enough theater stuff at that point to understand the logistics of why they couldn't stop at that point and also and also the toothless that they created was very much all the other dragons looked just like the dragons from the movies but this toothless did not already look anything like real toothless to begin with um I feel like we probably should have done a puzzle piece about the fact that the trilogy is, like, very empowering to people with disabilities. Um, like, oh, I don't know that you know this. The reason Hiccup is missing a foot is because, like, Toothless fucked up catching him at one point. So, like, the fact that the main character has a peg leg is, like, entirely Toothless's fault. Um, and wow. the reason, and the reason, to- and the reason Toothless is missing a tail wing is because Hiccup shot it off with a crossbow bolt. Um, oh, that's a big part. So that's of the- what that was. A- I didn't understand what that was. Okay, yeah. so in the first one, <laughs> Hiccup is like he he could swear he sees a Night Fury flying past like at midnight every night. And then his dad is like, I'm Gerard Butler. I We killed all the Night Furies. I knew a dude who did it. He was pretty cool. Goes on to become the bad guy for the third movie. Um, but so, like, Hiccup is like, no, if I kill a Night Fury, I'm going to be the coolest Viking ever. So he just, like, sits at the crossbow at, like, midnight. And then when he sees a blink in the air, uh, it, it's, like, part because he's, like, smart and he studies the dragons. So he realizes, like, oh... When the dragon does its weird... Oh, that was a weird thing. How, like, Toothless, like, rediscovered how to do that, like, turning invisible lightning thing. Because he did it all the time in the first 15 minutes of the first movie. Like, before he lost his fucking tail. So, like, Toothless Mm. definitely got domesticated. And, like, lost his dragon mojo. (laughs) For sure. Um, But, yeah, so so that was the only reason they became friends. Was because Toothless... uh, Hiccup shot him out of the sky and destroyed his tail... He fell down and crashed into, like, a crater on the other side of the island, so he literally couldn't leave. So Hiccup was like, oh, cool, I'm just gonna bring you fish every day until you're my best friend. Um, so it was, like, very a Stockholm situation, Stockholm Syndrome kind of situation. Um, and then eventually he rigs this tail thing that he can control with his foot. Um, and then that's the way Toothless learns to fly again. So in general, Toothless can't fly without Hiccup. Um, because he needs someone there to control the other wing like a rudder. And then at the end of the movie, when they're fighting the Dragon Queen, um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, like, like Hiccup's riding another dragon and then gets like shot out of the sky and like falls and like, I don't fully remember it. And it clearly doesn't make sense that somehow Toothless was able to catch him, but somehow he lost his foot. 
Uh, maybe there was like an explosion and he was falling into the explosion. But the point is, Toothless grabbed him from falling into something and he didn't grab him quite quick enough. So like the very ending of the first movie is like he lost his foot and it's like, oh, see, like we're similar now. And then the second one explores that a lot more of like they're both missing a limb and they both can't really function without the other one. So it like sort of explores that codependence a little more. Um, That's heavy shit for a kid's. Oh, right. No, it's actually I'm pretty sure the films have gotten like acclaim for that. Um, yeah. And they didn't do nearly as much of the, like, joking about him missing a foot thing in the previous ones. Um, but in a way, I, like, it didn't feel mean-spirited in this one. Like, it just kind of felt like people were teasing him and he's like, oh, and I have a prosthetic leg. Or, like, when he would, like, throw it for, like, uh, Toothless to play fetch with or whatever. Um. Yeah, yeah. That was a joke that, those were jokes I feel like very easily could have been mean-spirited. But, uh, but you know, it just felt like, oh, this is the character. This is their life. You know, kind of tying into the boyhood thing again. Um, sure, absolutely. But, but yeah, so How to Train Your Dragon live on ice with a dead toothless being swung 50 feet in the <laughs> air around everyone. Fantastic experience. Watched a lot of kids' dreams die that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to see it. I love it. <laughs> Um, so my plug will be that you, David Rosen, should watch uh, How to Train Dragons 1 and 2. Everybody else okay. should see Reign of Fire or should go see Dragon War or D-War. It's called both uh, as soon as possible because <laughs> they are both just brilliant dragon films to watch for different reasons. I sort of unironically love Reign of Fire as well because um, it's like such a bizarre take on a dragon-filled universe. Um, Dragon War is just stupid fun of like they're in like downtown New York but it's a movie filmed in South Korea about uh, what they think Americans are like and then like a dude finds a pendant that just summons like five million dragons to like attack New York City while he teams up with his own good dragon or something like that I think it's like find a sword that you can use to stab the the main bad dragon. It's been a while since I've seen it, but watch those <laughs> dragon movies to see the full spectrum of quality of dragon films in contrast to How to Train Your Dragon, uh, which collectively out of those three, probably one of those three may be the best dragon movie of all time. Um, I don't, I haven't so, like comprehensively so- ranked it. <laughs> Sounds like a good list of movies for me to uh, get my dragon mojo back. Yes, I I need it. Get back in the. <laughs> that'll be a, that'll be our our new spinoff podcast. Just Ryan reviews dragon movies. <laughs> oh my god! Just an, it, it, that should be a video cast in full chainmail. You know, yes. like a, one of those YouTube things. Yeah, just <laughs> I, I'm now thinking instead of us doing top ten monsters, just the whole week is me like leading up to Godzilla is like six different podcasts of me talking <laughs> about different dragons. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this is a dangerous road we're on now <laughs> oh yeah it usually is when we start thinking yeah. about new podcasts yes but... <laughs> awesome well right on thanks for being here ryan oh happy to be here this is jay aaron and richard and we're the vcr kids 
We rewatch movies from our childhood. They're mostly from the 80s and 90s. And we decide whether or not it holds up. Look up the VCR kids on your favorite podcatcher and check out some of our past episodes. We've watched Hook, All Dogs Go to Heaven, The Mighty Ducks, and more. And check out our special episodes where we watch Harry Potter with our friend who has never seen them. Search for the VCR kids today. We'll talk at you soon. All right, so that does it for today's conversation about how to train your dragon, the hidden world. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I hope you're seeing it this weekend and you're enjoying the movie. I can't imagine that if you're a fan of these movies that you're not going to like it. Um, and it was nice that we didn't get into too many spoilers today. So that way you could have just listened to this before you actually went to see the movie. So that's pretty cool. So uh, also this weekend is the Oscars. We did our predictions on Monday's special episode. Um, but it's time for the big show. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, bad controversy around this year's show. I, you know, I, I got very bad feeling about it. I don't know that it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of the worst Oscars in years. But that being said, it is the Oscars and you know I'll be watching. And if you're watching, you should be following along with all of our comments in the Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group on Facebook. We will be uh, commenting and joking around and all that throughout the show. So make sure you have joined that group. And while you're at it, you can follow us on all the rest of social media at PiecingPod. And subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Rate and review our show on iTunes. And you can join our mailing list over on PiecingPod.com where I'm going to have a new feature lined up right in time for our one-year anniversary in March. So uh, definitely check out the site. Get uh, signed up for the mailing list and be the first to know about when that goes live. So uh, I think that's about it for now. This was a fun episode, and we will be back soon with another one. And right now I'm going to leave you guys with a piece of my music called The Master, which is from my free album, Another Sky. Let's check it out.
and all points west. Thank you.